Welcome to the Positive Turbulence Podcast, Stories from the Periphery. Here we journey to the edge to talk to turbulators about their experiences creating positive change. Hi, I'm Rob Brodnick, your co-host for the podcast. In this episode, we're going to wrap up season one. It's been a great ride, and Karen and I are going to share our learnings, perspectives, and thoughts about the season that was. Hi, I'm Karen Zadinga, your other co-host. As we've progressed through the interviews, the editing production of each episode, we've been seeing some common threads emerge. Thinking about the concept of positive turbulence and how it can be applied, and generally really loving each and every moment of it. Stick around, there are some great insights coming up. But before we launch into it, I want to take a moment for a message from our sponsors. The Positive Turbulence Podcast is brought to you by AMI, an innovation learning community that is celebrating 40 years of supporting innovation and creativity for organizations and individuals. Learn more at aminnovation.org. Also, we'd like to thank Mac Avenue Music Group as a contributing sponsor. To hear our theme song, Late Night Sunrise, and other great music, visit macavenue.com. The thing that I want to talk to you about is that the thing that you call that AMI magic, where the threads just start coming together, right? Or that positive turbulence magic, where the threads just start coming together. I kept hearing, as we were going through each interview, the same themes coming back over and over again, but from all these different perspectives, right? It was just like when we were talking to David Colton, how we're getting this really cool view of the mountain that is positive turbulence because we're climbing up all of these different paths with these different people. And it was, you know, like the the idea of being in the moment and how that came up with Donna Del Rey and her experiences with Relish Culinary. It came up with with John Kramer when he was in Iraq. I mean, you couldn't imagine more different circumstances. Yeah, yeah. Like, what do you think? Like, my mind kept being blown all the way along. Yeah, every episode, even the things that were, the music between the notes was pretty incredible. Just the contacting people and having conversations about having a conversation leads to pretty amazing things. You know, I have a a, a viewpoint on this, and it comes back to being in the flow state. Mm -hmm. I think that, when people are really engaged with their systems, the things that are happening all around us, the systems are too complex to see or articulate clearly. Mm-hmm. But when you begin to experience it, you know, there, there's, there's two kinds of ways that I think people can get to that point. One is they're just doing it. They're totally unconscious mm-hmm. about it. And they're doing the thing that they're either passionate about or they're driven to do, whatever it is, but they hit that magic moment in some kind of way. Right. And they're doing the right things. They are taking in the data about the world around them unconsciously. They're processing it. They're responding to it. They are in the flow. They're in the moment. And as agents of change, as leaders, they're doing it. Yeah. So that's one way to get there. It's kind of like, you know, have a passion and just trip into it. And all of a sudden, you know, you've... (laughs) You've fallen into positive turbulence. Right. I think the other way is just the opposite. It's it's very conscious. You know, imagine a moving meditation mm-hmm. where you are living present moment continuously. Yeah. And you, you've, you bring that beginner's mind and you're kind of there just open to the world, but very consciously open to it. And you can you can achieve that same state in response to your organizational systems or the larger systems of the world around you. And so there's probably other pathways and other people could describe it in different kinds of ways. But, you know, for me, thinking about change in that perspective, they're kind of the two pathways that I've observed. And I think, you know, across our season one guests, 
they probably, I don't know what the, the number is, but they probably divide into different camps about it. Well, you know, I can think that Dr. Mary McBride is probably more in the deliberate camp, right? Whereas, we'll have to ask her about yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> well, we will. But, you know, I keep hearing her say, you know, that creative leaders are meaning makers. And where she started that interview about how, you know, when organizations merge, the meaning making function goes silent and nobody knows where they're rowing to and why that has such an impact on organizations. And I keep... Like I keep hearing her say that because I keep encountering exactly that in the world, right? And so where I was going with my, my thing with you, though, was that for people who are unfamiliar with positive turbulence or, you know, tuning into the podcast and enjoying the episodes, but, but not really seeing how they fit in, right, where they go, I think that your observation about either being in the flow because you're in the flow and you're passionate and there you are, or deliberately saying, okay, I'm going to flow now. To me, that, that second option, that, that deliberateness, is a path forward for people who are like stuck in a place, whatever that place may be, whether it be my boss is a jerk and I don't, you know, I don't like what I'm doing, or I've got to lead this team and I don't, I got to innovate, I don't know how. I think Rich Sheridan, and thinking about, he probably lived both worlds at one point in time when he mm-hmm. was with his, his former programming company and mindset, he was probably experiencing negative turbulence. And that caused him to become very conscious about creating a new company that did it differently. And so there was a lot of deliberate approach to him creating the turbulence that he created within his teams. John Kramer, I see him with his white knuckles on the airplane seat as that plane began to take its, its spiral descent into Erbil. So it could avoid missile detection and, and and potential explosions. At that point, I I'm guessing he entered a state of beginner's mind, and as he <laughs> as he was you know, living living through there. the next three or four weeks or however long he was right. there working with kids yeah. and the musicians, you know, he was experiencing moments as they unfolded in front of him. I can only imagine, you know, what an amazing journey, right? And what an amazing lesson about giving up. He says. At one point, he was reminded of the Eisenhower quote, planning is everything, but the plan is nothing. And I was just like, yes. And that whole idea of that balance between having a plan, but also giving up control. And what an experience that was for him in doing that. And how, you know, how both uncomfortable and beautiful at the same time. I think Dan Bookner is is a wizard. Mm-hmm. And I, I imagine that he plays it both ways continuously. Uh, he has <laughs> yes. He has an amazing talent, a way to see the world and understand things that I think he sees each moment as a fresh moment unfolding in front of him, but at the same time has several designs in mind for where it could go. I, I, I don't know. Do you think he was a chess master in a past life? At least, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, right? Because, yeah, and some of the things that came from him, actually, was, you know, this idea of, serious play you know that story that they went out and they got all this like water spraying equipment and they experienced water in different ways and how that and how that changed thing that 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 mind that's willing to dig in to that that's you know we need more of that in the world that's pretty incredible any like big takeaways for you karen from season one i mean just things that I mean, not just simple facts, but things that you kind of internalized that, that maybe change wow. what you do or the way you see the world. Do you know, I think overall, 
So when I when I started this, I would you know say, "Oh, I'm working on this podcast. It's you know it's called the Positive Turbulence Podcast." And people go, "Wow, cool name!" But what the hell is that? And then I would say, "Well, you know, it's a concept and a framework, and you know, blah blah blah." And you know, on the surface, it's really simple stuff, mm. right? It'd be look to the periphery. Yeah, okay, got it. You know, not that hard, right? Not there's nothing in there that's that's hard to understand. And even the concept, positive turbulence. Oh, okay, yeah, positive change. Really easy to understand. But the more we the more we dig, the simpler it gets and the more complex it gets at the same time. And I and I can see how, for instance, I can really see how even in my own life, you know, I've been hanging on to shit I could stand to let go of. Right? And it's like, oh, but I haven't been. Why? Why I why why am I hanging on to that stuff? Or why did I hang on to that stuff? I don't need to do that anymore. And and so for me, the example is okay, let go some more, chill out. But also with that same thing that you were talking about, that same flow state thing that you were talking about, look at positive turbulence and the elements of it, both for their simplicity and complexity at the same time. Yeah, I think they coexist. And that that is both a beauty and a conundrum. If you th- think about great singer, mm-hmm. let your mind go wherever you want. And, you know, I'll pick Pavarotti, not because he's my favorite singer, but because he's oh, the first, had, he's the first guy that popped into my head. Okay, let's take oh, Pavarotti I, Ella, and Ella Fitzgerald. On. So yeah. at one point you think, okay, I'm here watching this performer live. It's just a dude or a gal on stage singing. It's the simplest thing in the world. Yeah. But yet... You know, what they're doing, and they're doing it from different training backgrounds, you know, one of precision and notes and singing something that's been written and sung a thousand times. And Ella, you know, she's she's singing the blues and living, she's giving us a life. That, oh, and she's improvising on the spot. Yeah, But it's just incredible. So there's a complexity there that's hard to even wrap your arms around, but there's a simplicity there that makes it beautiful. Ah, that's a beautiful metaphor, actually. And that really, it really helps me understand that feeling of, simplicity and complexity at the same time that's a very useful metaphor for me yeah yeah it's the role of the arts we always talk about artistic approaches and artistic thinking creative thinking all those kind of things i think there's a reason that the arts are so simple but they're so sophisticated at the same time and i saw a recent news article where someone at mit had gone back and and taken one of da vinci's most earliest drawings about a bridge yeah. which they thought was just crazy you know engineers for this this wouldn't make any sense they said wait a second there's some genius in this so there's mm-hmm. there's a artful creativity that da vinci stepped into this space and created something that for hundreds of years wouldn't make any sense and all of a sudden that intuition when people began to think through the complexity of it, proved to be something that was extreme complexity. It was brilliance in some kind of sense. And so the simplest things becoming some of the most sophisticated. Right. And it's, it's mind boggling when you start to, (laughs) when you start to dive down that. But I was, you know, again, when you're thinking about simplicity, so one of the episodes, like it touched me so deeply was the episode we did with William Anderson talking about teaching and his, his line about standing in love with what you do and his model for success. Again, you know, that, that sort of that sense that he brought to it, that success isn't about how much money you're making, isn't about, you know, how far you get in school or anything. It's about connecting deeply with who you are and being that person all the time and just like grounding and standing in love. And I just, I tell particularly that episode, 
and the one with Amelia Wiles about turbulating college with confidence. I refer like all the young people I know and anybody sort of under 30 say, well, everybody really should listen to those things because there's, there's lessons in there for all of us. But both of those speak to that sense of connecting with who you are, right? And, and really just being okay with that. Right. And again, that's like the simplest thing in the world. And people tell you it all the time. Oh, you should, you know, just be yourself, Karen. I'm like, really? Like, come on. <laughs> right. But it's true. It's a challenge for, for leadership, I think. And you know, yeah. often to, to lead a group, an organization, a culture, a society through turbulent change and end up in a better place. It takes leadership of, of many different kinds. And the leader that approaches a new role or a new challenge, mm -hmm. or, or a, mm -hmm. a passion from the perspective of scripted leadership. Here's yeah. the things a leader should do, you know, here's your position, here's your boundaries, mm -hmm. versus a leader who approaches the same kind of change as an authentic leader, where yeah. they are exactly who they are, and whether or not they're the right person for this, you know, sometimes they are, and who they are is, is a world-changing kind of effort. I think every leader needs to be able to step into that, to being more authentic. And, and you know, person. Dave Krepko, banking on turbulence. Like, I mean, banking on positive. I can't remember. What we Talk it. about an authentic leader. Yeah. Wow. Like he just like, he's so, and, and the kind of things like, you know, he talked about in that episode about how, you know, he wanted a community room and, and people were pushing back. Oh, we don't do that in play in food banks, you know? And, and he's like, no, no, no. What's our vision? Who are we? Right. And really grounding in their vision and, and moving from that. And what an inspiration. Right, because what the things they've been able to do, the kind of impact that they've been ha able to have, all comes from that really grounded place. Right, Dave is more successful because he's really himself. What a beautiful lesson that was! Lots of inspiration over the last several uh -huh. months. So, where do you want to go with this, Karen? We're gonna we're <laughs> gonna be searching for some season two and season three uh, guest and interviewees. Yeah. What What are some of the things you'd like to do in in the seasons that follow? Oh man, uh, that's a well, I started this with the idea that positive turbulence is this really cool, magical, like magical thing that, that when you in it and when you connect with the flow, things start to flow. And that, that message of abundance and there's enough and things will find their way to you if, you know, you're really sort of grounded in, in, your, in your own purpose has proven to me to be true through the course of this. But I, but I feel like that you know, in, in the rest of my life, in the other places I encounter, I'm doing a, a bit of work for a couple of projects in the film industry. And, and like, here's a super creative place, like where people make magic on screens, both big and small, and they do cool, hella cool creative stuff. It's got to be the least creative work environment I have mm. ever encountered. The most negatively turbulent space. And I, I think that hopefully one day, you know, something that would be cool for me is hopefully one day we influence somebody to try it a little bit differently. Maybe not in the film industry. I don't know if we can do that. But I do think that, you know, what I'd love to see as we progress through this is to create those moments of inspiration, enough of them that people feel okay to just let go and to ground in who they are and, and take on riding that positive wave because it's there to ride. Right. And that's really my goal in the whole thing. So what kind of things would I love to do next? Well, you know, as you know, Rob, we've got Joe Tankersley, 
a futurist, innovator, former Disney Imagineer on deck for season two. And he's like, oh, cool as beans. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> you know, like his his whole concept about the way to look at the future through a positive lens, not a Pollyanna lens, not a lens that's false, but to craft a positive vision for your future. Because like Andrew Bennett says, you know, what I speak, I create. And so Joe is just doing that on a big scale. And boy, if we could get more people thinking about positive change in all sorts of ways, wouldn't that be crazy cool? An AMI meeting is not just your average collection of speakers around a theme. It's an end-to-end curated experience. It's a thoughtful, connected, influential community. It's peer learning in a super creative environment. Learn more at aminnovation.org. You know, one of the themes that a lot of our guests keep bringing back is that pay attention to the periphery. It's an idea that seems to be really resonating with a lot of people, you know, including Vicky, right? Because for her, she spends all her time scanning the periphery. And what, what she sees when she's talking to people is that, you know, from her perspective, they're just not. And like they, it would be, you know, they could really help themselves if they were because they get stuck in their lane, right? Whatever that, that little lane is. And I think that we all, we all struggle with that. Over the course of recording the first season, I have to say that when when Vicky started to give us her like her list of these things, the new thought leadership, it was probably the first and only time that I started writing down furiously what she was saying, even though we were recording it, right? I'm like, okay, yeah, we're going to be able to play this, but it doesn't matter. I still have to take notes for some reason. And I just got so many insights and tips from her counting down the list of the things and yeah, so that that was a, a moment I recall thinking back over the all the interviews that we did that stood out for sure. <laughs> yeah, Vicky's a unique individual for sure. Even one of her tips shows up as one of the like the she's like she's like give a recipe. <laughs> People love DIY. Give them a recipe, and she did that for us, which I, which I thought was amazing. Like this this really neat kind of a circular way of, of approaching that, right? And Like holding a mirror up to a mirror and yeah. you see infinity, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? So I, yeah, yeah, that was, a, that was a really fun interview. And I think that the other one that stands out for me in terms of that connectedness to those 10 ideas in sort of the chapter in Positive Turbulence itself was, was the interview we did with Jim and his sort of real attention to communication right, on his team and with his investor and with just like all around, like that sense of like the story that stands out for me with Jim's interview and flooding insurance with positivity was that, you know, they they kept talking and talking and talking to people until they figured they had it right, you know, and they didn't stop. And, you know, they (laughs) they went and and sat with Lloyds of London and said, okay, here's our thought. What do you think? And, and, and they were, they were willing to sort of put it, put their idea on the line over and over again until they really felt like they had something that was going to fly. And, you know, sure enough, it did. 
Well, you know, as opposed to a lot of people's idea of, you know, the great innovator sitting in a dark room with a bright light on coming up with the, the brilliant idea, this was just the opposite. This was a really, really smart person with a lot of experience and data information and, and then jumping into a new industry in the insurance world and going, wow, I just discovered the intersection of two amazing things that I don't think anyone else has done. But then saying, I'm just going to talk to a thousand people about it until we figure it out. And then emerges this, this you know, brilliant company. I, I, was, I was amazed at that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, all of the discussions we've had have been amazing in their way. The humbleness that comes across from all these amazing innovators and turbulators that we talk to, each and every person. There's no big ego anywhere. Like, hey, thanks for inviting me to the podcast. I'm here to turbulate you. Like, no one approached the interview that way. It's right? like, eh, I'll tell my meager story. Maybe it'll be interesting. And, you know, great stuff uh, flowed from that. Right? That was truly a not surprising thing. I didn't, I wasn't surprised by that, but I was really touched by it, that, that humility that we kept encountering along the way. And, you know, so much of that, I think, emanates from the culture that, that Stan has created. When he was going through his own explorations in the early 90s, and as the ideas for what positive turbulence is and how the book came together the first time, you know, that's that's sort of the tone that, that he brought. And so many kind of ways, some of our guests and many people within our community, you know, have learned from that and are really appreciative of it. So, yeah. Is there is there a particular element of positive turbulence, Rob, that, that you feel like either came back a lot for you or didn't come up as much as you expected? It? Like one of those 10 things. We were just talking about pay attention to the periphery came up over and over again as a thing. Was there one that was either surprising or didn't come up enough or you thought, oh, hey, I thought we would have heard more about that, but we didn't? Well, I think one of the ones that Stan and I wrote about was bringing positive turbulence to teams. And, and I think, you know, everyone has done that or is doing that and whether they know it or not, or whether they're doing it intentionally or it's just intuition, but a single person, it's difficult when a single person can create change and, you know, survive turbulence or create turbulence. And one of the tools I think that's really useful is sharing that. And even if it's, you know, if you're a, a loan manager in an organization and you have three people that report to you, how can the four of you create turbulence within your, your world? And then how, how can that spread across the organization to the point where you just have a lot of people engaged in it? And so I think that's an insight that I knew about, but that listening to our interviews over the course of season one, it just it kind of hammered that, that point home, that the translation from both the mind of a single individual then to the consciousness of a team and eventually to the entire organization or a culture or a society is a key element for change. Yeah, yeah. I certainly see that even beyond the podcast, right? When when I'm out in the world doing other kinds of work, you know, the, the places that I go where there's a, a strong team culture of, of positivity do better than places that are really heavily top down. And I'm sure you see that too. That really tight top down, uh, right? That thing that... <laughs> Yeah. You know, one of the other, I think, tips that, that stood stood out for me was embracing change in terms of diversity and inclusivity. And, you know, if we're exclusive, you create artificial boundaries, and that does not allow for the flow of things from the periphery. 
the more that you open up to change and diversity. And perspectives, I mean, this is a, a lifelong practice that every individual, I think, needs to go through because there's always a place or there's someone we can encounter that thinks radically different than we do. And, and if we build up opposition to these different kind of thoughts, you just reduce the ability of turbulence to, to have a positive outcome. But the more that you are open to that and let ideas exchange and flow and things that you maybe even directly oppose or, or don't believe in, it's really useful and helpful. And to make our environments as inclusive as possible and just tear down the, those barriers, you know, that that's a huge driver, I believe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I was just, I was thinking about that, it, you know, even in my own, we, we all think that we're okay, you know, like, oh, yeah. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm so open-minded. But yet we do it, right? And so what I what I was wondering is is do you have do you have like a a tip, an idea, a way or something maybe that you've heard along the way through season 1 that you're like, "Oh yeah, that's a way to help me open up some more. That's a way to help me sort of drop some of the barriers." I think, you know, one of the other really important tips for becoming a turbulator, creating turbulence or in the nature in the experience of turbulence, making sure it comes out to be positive is how we use things like the arts and technology and what we do. The arts create a different mindset. It's a playful space where creativity is just embedded and everyone has access to it. So the more that we can bring maybe what some people might consider these unnecessary things into our work world, and the more that we think something is unnecessary, it's probably the more that we really need it because it's going to shift the mind to see the world a little differently and, and apply a different lens. So where we can create space for the arts to come in, and even with new technologies, I, I get really frustrated when I work with organizations and individuals about innovation and everyone just says, oh, well, it's the latest app. It's got to be about technology. And, you know, while technology is important and it shows progress over time, I don't think technology is necessarily innovation. But sometimes new technologies can really radically change the way we see the world. And it shifts thinking, you know, until it becomes a commodity and then it's worth throwing away. The thing that I was thinking about while you were talking about that was the feeling I got. I was trying to imagine going to a meeting, you know, maybe with one of my clients and talking to them about, I don't know, the, the latest show at the Vancouver Art Gallery or maybe a piece of theater I'd seen or, you know, some music that I was listening to. And I immediately saw the backs kind of stiffen, the body language, like in my mind's eye. I was imagining I tend not to talk about the arts in that professional setting, right? even though you want to try to stimulate new ideas and change because there's the there's an immediate pushback right oh that's not cool music you know the weird shit you listen to karen's no that's not that's just weird stuff the art that you're into is is like that's you know who spends their time in an art gallery it's the feedback i get when i'm out there so when you're when you're talking to people about opening the flow to arts and technology when you're when you're out in the world do you have a like do you have a sense of how maybe you pull people into that or do you, is there maybe something you've heard along the way that you're like oh there's a there's a cool thing people a approach different worldviews with a critical eye and you know we train we train people in critical thinking and and it's all good but there is a quote that i really like that kind of you know just puts the, all that aside and says you know you need to be open to experience and experience is not like 
uh, something. And I, I think it was said by a famous musician, could have been David Byrne or, or Frank, Frank Zappa or someone else, but writing about music is like dancing about architecture, right? It's just, and it, it was probably written to some critic, but like, man, you can't experience music through writing about it and surely don't review my album, you know, with your lens of, of critical because, you know, architecture is a great form of artistic expression, but yet I'm not sure we can understand it through dance. I don't know. I, I'd love to try, but, you know, I, I think so. When when people, when I suggest something off the wall or, or someone comes up with an idea, you know, to, to force yourself not to let your biases take over what you're going to say next is really, really important. And just step back and, and, you know, say what if and give it some space and you'll take something out of it. It might not be what the, the person wanted you to take out of it, but you're going to take something out that has some kind of meaning. So give yourself the space and then shift to meaning making mode. I think that's where all the brilliant stuff comes from. Back to meaning making, huh? <laughs> comes back like, oh. Meaning making with Mary, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, that, that, I was thinking back, that was our first, after we did our, our sound testing and other things and got our technology worked out, it was, it was somewhere over the, the winter break between Christmas and New Year's where that was our first podcast recording. And I think... Some, you know, as Mary does with everyone she meets, she touches you in a very slight and subtle way and changes your life forever. And having the opportunity to record that, that first podcast interview with her really, I think, set you and I in, in wonderful motion. I get a little shiver down my spine when I think about it. Well, it's been an amazing journey, and I, uh, we've only done one season, so it's going to be great to think back after five years where all this is going to go. So for you, like you asked me what's changed for me. Has something changed for you? I think so. It's a little bit of letting go in the sense of we want to have certain outcomes. We want this to be a wonderful thing. But the more that we try to make that happen is probably decreasing our chances of success. And the one thing I've learned is the more that we let go and listen to others and maybe poke and prod every once in a while. But for the most part, you know, let them find a way to help them tell their story. It's that letting go. that has been a really good learning for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, <laughs> that's absolutely. And it keeps that, that's another thing that keeps showing up, doesn't it? Thank you to AMI who have nurtured us in developing this podcast is the source of so many of our guests. And of course, the founder, Stan Griskevich, is also the author of the original book. And dare I say, the prime mover of positive turbulence. AMI is a pioneering nonprofit organization comprised of committed individuals who foster and leverage creativity and innovation in organizations and society. AMI identifies leading edge innovation, shares experiences, sponsors research, and recognizes innovation and creative processes. Find out more at aminnovation.org. And thank you to Mac Avenue Music Group, our contributing sponsor, for providing our podcast soundtrack, Late Night Sunrise. That brings us to the end of season one. We'll be back with season two in early 2020. We've loved connecting with you and look forward to doing so again in season two. And not to mention more information about us. Until next time, keep the turbulence positive.